You're going to love this. Just love it. Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast. I'm Bradcast producer Desi Doyen. Our friend Nicole Sandler of the Nicole Sandler Show was going to fill in for us today to run her exclusive interview this week with Arizona's Democratic Secretary of State Katie Hobbs on debunking false claims of fraud in Arizona's very successful 2020 presidential election. Despite record turnout and zero evidence of fraud, GOP state lawmakers right now are in the process of moving legislation to roll back Arizona's popular mail-in voting and other voting rights, despite last year's successful elections. Or perhaps because of it, in a state which was won by the Democratic presidential candidate for the first time in decades, and now, just like Georgia, is represented by two Democratic U.S. senators. Unfortunately, Nicole got hit pretty hard this week after her second COVID vaccine shot. She's been a bit under the weather, but is doing just fine otherwise. So she has shared her interview with Arizona's Secretary of State for us to share with you today. Also coming up on today's program, Brad's recent interview with the legendary Florida election official Ion Sancho, including his response to similar attempts to undermine voting rights by Republicans at the state level in both Florida and Georgia, where the GOP has now passed and signed a sweeping new law that will curb voting rights and allow the state legislature to undermine county elections boards and even overturn election results if they like. But first up, Nicole Sandler's interview with Arizona's Democratic Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs. I want to play for you a video, which is local news coverage from Arizona, from the Phoenix area, from November 4th. This was the day after Election Day, as, you know, the counting is <laughs> ostensibly going on, as they were supposed to be counting ballots. Do you remember what was going on in the Phoenix area? It got really ugly. Well, here we'll we'll go to through a, a little trip in the in the time machine. And welcome back to the news go. at eight o'clock. We are staying on top of breaking news just outside of the Maricopa County Recorder's Office. We've got team coverage from you for you tonight from the scene in downtown Phoenix. Brianna kicks us off. And Brianna, oh, you're outside now. I was going to ask you, how are the folks inside reacting to what's happening outside? Yeah, yeah. Just wow. Walked out the doors of the Maricopa County Election Center to come out to a crowd looking like this. It is dozens of people that have gathered or regathered, I should say, here outside the election center. Um, it's been rowdy, nothing violent, but a lot of profanities being yelled. A lot of people yelling for Trump. They support him, but also yelling fake news and yelling about uh, Sharpie Gate that we've been talking about the whole time. A lot of people asking where their ballots went. Of course, they now see us doing a live shot, so they're not too. Sheriff's Office has brought more deputies 
these on. They've actually put caution tape here on the bottom of the stairs, the cement stairs, that would take you up to the election center. We're monitoring the doors so none of them get in. But that has angered a lot of the people out here for this rally. They feel like they should have equal access to the county election center like the media does. So I don't know how long they're going to be out here. The good news is nothing is violent. Some people are just saying, hey, we want to know what's happening. We're excited for this election. We support Trump. And they want to have some answers from Adrian Fontes. Um, we have not seen him on the premises here tonight. So it's really changed. It's really started when just a couple members of the AZ Patriots group walked into the county election center earlier today. Um, and it's really escalated when they met other people at the Arizona State Capitol. So it looks like they're taking a knee now. I'm not really sure what's going on. But Kim Powell is down on the ground just behind me. She's got a better view of what's going on from the ground. So, Kim, can you tell us what you're seeing from over there? And it's not very, it's not a very big crowd, but boy, they were loud, huh? Yeah, uh, just kind of echo uh, what you said, but I'll be sure to uh, keep this brief as it is a little bit more hostile down here. We have some people that are kind of uh, targeting us and, and they're able to... Um, apologize for that. Uh, they're uh, coming up to us, you know, shouting fake news. We've had a couple people uh, tell us that, that we're disgusting, and I'll take a step to the side. It sounds like someone is speaking right now, and they are all uh, taking a knee. Um, but again, as you were saying, that they're asking people to, um, to they're asking to be let into the elections department, and they are asking to speak with Adrian Fontes, and they are saying That's that they're the regist- not counted, or the so recorder, chance, the county recorder. Uh, such as let us in four more years and count the vote. So for now, uh, Uh, I'll send it back to you guys uh, in the studio. So that is what went on. That's what was happening in Phoenix. And it wasn't only November 4th. This went on for days and the crowds got bigger and a little more, you know, she said they're, they're not violent or anything. Well, that got, they got scarier. Let's put it that way. So um, I am curious to know how the, um, the Secretary of State's office is dealing with this, um, especially at a time when now, not only in Arizona, but all around the nation, state legislatures are pushing through these these bills, these these voter suppression bills. Now, if you've been listening to progressive talk radio for any amount of time, you have definitely heard um, from Paul Weirich. This 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 clip that I'm about to play for you uh, goes back to 1980. And Paul Weirich, he was, you know, he was the guy who helped to found ALEC and a number of these other right wing groups. Again, 1980 is when he said this. Now, many of our Christians have what I call the goo goo syndrome. Good government. They want everybody to vote. I don't want everybody to vote. Elections are not won by a majority of people. They never have been from the beginning of our country, and they are not now. As a matter of fact, our leverage in the elections quite candidly goes up as the voting populace goes down. You've heard that. You've heard that ad nauseum. And the thing is, that has been the Republican playbook for decades. That was 1980, and that's been their game plan. So it may have taken 50 years, 40 years, um, but but they're getting their wish. They don't want everyone to vote. That's the thing we need to keep in mind, especially now as we look at this legislation that's working its way through state houses around the country. And again, um, uh, from the best I can glean, it's 
43 states, there are now 253 bills with provisions that restrict voting access in 43 states. It's one of the reasons I want to talk to our guest today. Um, She's the Secretary of State of Arizona. Her name is Katie Hobbs. Secretary Hobbs, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to meet you. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, I I really appreciate you coming on. So I just played a video Um, Secretary Hobbs, from November 4th. It was actually the scene outside the county recorder's office the the night after election night when they were either protesting to count the votes or to stop counting the votes. And I don't think they even knew what they wanted. Did they know? Well, you know, it's it's hard to tell. And I, I said multiple times publicly, you know, I'm not sure what their objective is being here protesting because obviously we're going to count all the votes. We're legal, legally obligated to do that. And so um, and and quite honestly, them being there was actually providing some hindrance to the folks uh, getting their job done. Of course. Right. And so, you know, I've been involved in, the you know, as a political watcher for years and. Um, And back in, I want to say, the 2004 election, there were some concerns about shenanigans at the polling places. Um, And so many of us, myself included, signed on to be poll watchers. And so went through the training. So I knew what that entailed. And each polling place, there are specific guidelines as to who can be a poll watcher. Yes, you've got to be appointed by the party. You've got to be go through training. You've got you've got to have credentials. You don't just show up at the polling place and say, I'm here to observe. Um, Did any of those people get the memo? Um, Apparently not. I mean, like people were actually demanding to be let in when there were already credentialed observers in there who were there on behalf of the party chair and the party chair, the GOP party chair was one of the people making all these allegations that observers weren't being allowed in. Um, And obviously uh, in this election year, we had a little bit more restriction around the number of people who could be in any area but um but that didn't that did not um exclude um any legally authorized poll observers to be there um and so um so anywhere that they're allowed in statute they were they were there and um and so you know it was a lot of i think just a lot of um intentional misdirection to make it look like things were not um above board as they as they were Right. And they were. That's the thing. There were credentialed poll watchers, as there always are. They made it sound like, oh, the counting is done in the undercover deep at night, which was some of it was done at night because they were counting around the clock to try to get it done. But it was by no means clandestine or secretive. It was following the procedures that are laid out in the law. Right. Yes. And also, a lot of people don't know this, but in addition to having credentialed poll observers and observers in the tabulation centers, um, the, the every tabulation center in Arizona, so every county's counting room, is live streamed on video. And huh. so you could go to any county's election website, find that live stream and watch the process as it's happening. Anyone in the world with access to the Internet could do that. Wow. OK, so that that further debunks the story that they were pushing. Um, which couldn't be any further from the truth. They weren't locked out from watching the counting. They were kept out of the room for a, a, a number of reasons, most notably right now, COVID. Hello. Right. Um, right. And, but but also even not for, if not for COVID, they still wouldn't have been allowed in unless they were credentialed and it was you know cleared in advance 
the way that it's always done. Right. Right. I mean, even without COVID, the number of people in there is limited because right. it's a distraction otherwise. And there's there are there are going to be space limitations and there's um, statutes and rules and procedures around the security and access to the to the facility. And so it's always going to be limited. We can't just let everyone in there. Right. So that said, put putting aside the, the counting stuff, which, again, you guys followed the rules and there were Republican poll watchers in place as there always are. Um, So the stuff that there's, these are people, these are the low information voters, the ones who, and I always say they're the most dangerous people, the ones who have just a little bit of information and think that with that, they know everything and they know more than you, in your case, you know, Secretary of State, because they have a little bit of information. So, um, but how how was 2020 in terms of voting in Arizona? Was, uh, like in the nation, the highest turnout ever, were those numbers uh, the same in Arizona? Yes, absolutely. I mean, in my office, we've been celebrating the, first of all, the very successful election, and I don't mean successful in terms of outcome. Right. As uh, as an election officer, I'm concerned about the integrity of the process, and I can 100% say that the process that we um, that we had in Arizona was um, by statute and by the book, and we did everything the way it's supposed to happen. And it was a phenomenally successful election, not just the general in November, but the two preceding elections in March and August. Um, so, so that we're celebrating that for sure. And that is not just our office, but a testament to the election workers across the state. Um, but yes, we did have record turnout. And I think in our democracy, that is always something that should be celebrated. And, um, you know, what we're seeing instead is uh, uh, a blatant attempts to, to roll that back, which, um, you know, I'm sure is what you're getting to. Yes. And so, uh, you know, so in Arizona and around the country, not only did we have record turnouts, but as we learned from, well, an official who's now gone, the one who was in charge of making sure that everything ran smoothly, this was the least problematic election we've had in a long time either and i say that the reason for that is simple because they were they were paper ballots filled out by hand counted in many cases by hand or at least um you know scanned and then recounted as was the case in georgia three times where they found no problems at all i've been pushing for years for hand-marked, hand-counted paper ballots because there's no software screw-ups possible. Do you agree with that, or, or are you okay with the electronic voting machines? Well, I don't think it's feasible to actually hand count every ballot. I mean, and and but I will tell you that there are many safeguards around the equipment. So uh-huh. and this part part of the big lie, right? People telling how the equipment isn't secure, and that is absolutely false. And we do logic and accuracy tests on um, for every county uh, before every election. And then the counties also conduct a post-election logic and accuracy test to prove that the equipment is functioning the way that it's supposed to. Um, and there is no internet connectivity of these right. machines or anything like that. And so so it is secure and we take great steps to ensure that that happens um, because it it really, it's, it's, it's not feasible to count millions of ballots by hand, um, but we can make sure that we are um, securing the equipment and that the equipment is doing its job. Um, and, and that's, that's what we do. 
and then and when you do um, audits or you know uh, just just checks along the way, when they when it comes out that the numbers jibe, you got to go okay, so this is working, right? So you don't have to hand count every ballot, but you do you know audits and and stuff. And and in Georgia, they did I believe two or three hand recounts and found no problems. So Katie Hobbs, you are the Democratic. Secretary of State in Arizona. Are you the only um, executive level uh, official in Arizona who's a Democrat? I know Arizona now has two Democratic senators, which is an interesting development. How about on the state level? So in 2018, when I was elected, um, along with Kirsten Sinema to the U.S. Senate, we also elected Kathy Hoffman um, as the superintendent of public instruction. Mm. Um, and then we added a Democrat to the Corporation Commission. So um, so she was uh, a lone soldier there um, from 2018 to 20. And then another Democrat was elected to the CorpCom um, this last election. So there's um, four of us uh, in statewide office, and then if you count the two U.S. senators, uh, six. So, you, but you still have the the Republican governor and lieutenant governor. When are they up for um, uh, to be challenged? <laughs> Let me put it that way. Just to clarify, Arizona does not have a lieutenant governor, oh, so I'm next in line and oh. basically the de facto. Um, I mean, we don't we just don't have that in our constitution. Gotcha. So all of our statewide offices, um, with the exception of the five corporation commission seats, uh, two of those will be up in the 2022 election. Okay, so so secretary of state is a big job. And I guess it differs. You know, if you look at uh, the federal secretary of state, we're talking about international relations, diplomacy. But the state secretaries of state, number one, do oversee elections. I don't, is that the case in every state that that that's the uh, priority? That's a, a responsibility of secretary of state. No, a couple states. Um, I'm thinking North Carolina and Illinois have an independently, or well, I don't know if it's independently, but they, um, uh, election um, administrators that are appointed in one way or another by the governor or the. Um, uh, uh, legislature. Um, and so their secretaries of state do not oversee elections. And then not every secretary is elected either. Um, In Pennsylvania, there are secretaries appointed, but does oversee elections. You know, in Georgia, because Georgia was in the spotlight, much as Arizona was during this election cycle, the secretary of state Rappensperger, I believe was his name, is a Republican, as is the, 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 uh, the uh, governor, Brian Kemp, uh, who is, you know, way out there. Um, but they both sort of did the right thing when it came to this election. They were saying, let, you know, we did our job. This election is valid. These votes are real. They did the recount. They recounted again. But they're both still Republicans. Well, today, the former guy just endorsed some talk show host, uh, congressman or something to to run against Rappensperger to be the new secretary of state in uh, in Georgia. So no good deed goes unpunished, I guess. Katie Hobbs in Arizona, have you decided what you're doing? Are you running for re-election or maybe um, I know I know a former Arizona secretary of state was Jan Brewer and she went on to become governor. Any any chance you might run for higher office? Uh, well, Jan Brewer did not run for that. Oh, seat. she was appointed. She, she, right. Yeah. Well, she succeeded because Napolitano went to Homeland Security under oh, so Obama. So she was next so. in line as you're next in line. I yeah. see. Yeah. I have not publicly uh, announced my plans for the 2022 election. OK, so so uh, you're still considering all your options, I guess. 
Sure. Okay, that works. So, so right now, Arizona and Arizona is not unique. All around the country, states are uh, that are in legislative session. I'm in Florida. It's happening here. Um, where the legislators are introducing all of these voter suppression bills. Interestingly enough, at a time when Congress is hoping to pass, you know, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, trying to pass real voting election reform by way of HB1 and now SB1. Um, and yet in the state houses, the 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 horrible legislation that's being pushed through to curtail mail-in voting, to curtail Um, uh, you know, drop boxes, everything that worked in November, they want to do away with. And this was interesting. Um, I just found this. Um, uh, Arizona leads the nation in proposed voter suppression legislation with 24 restrictive bills. Pennsylvania is in second place with 14 right now. So are you up to speed on what these bills are that are working their way through the legislature? Um, I mean, I couldn't cite all the provisions of all of them, but sure. we're, we, we, in terms of what we're concerned about and what we're keeping our eyes on. Yeah. Um, we're, we're very well aware of this legislation. So, uh, and what's happened? I mean, are you, are you in danger in Florida, for instance, there are many more registered Democrats than there are Republicans, but the, the, the Republicans run everything on the state level. They they control the House. They control the Senate. They control the executive branch. The only Democrat in the statewide, uh, you know, in the executive offices is Nikki Freed, who's the agriculture secretary, um, who's probably going to run for governor. But frankly, I don't know. You know, she's the agriculture secretary. We are at a disadvantage because, the, frankly, the Florida Democratic Party kind of sucks um in arizona how is it looking what's the what's the breakdown like in the legislature there are they going to be able to do this um, I mean, Republicans have the majority. And the, the thing is right now is that they have the slimmest majorities that they've had in decades. The House split is 31-29 and the Senate is 16-14. Oh, wow. Um, and with even given that, um, I think that's an indicator that Arizona is continuing. Um, you know, we're going to continue to be a swing state. And I've never seen the level of extreme proposals that we're seeing this year. Um, Voter suppression legislation in Arizona is not new, but the number of bills, um, the number of legislators who are, um, you know, pretending to be election experts um, is just really unprecedented. And, um, and, and, and I think without a, a federal floor in terms of voting access, we're continuing to see the Voting Rights Act um, chipped away at, um, that that um, that this is really dangerous in terms of voting rights, not just in Arizona, but across the country. It really is. And and again, you you just came into the Zoom room as I was playing that Paul Weirich clip that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've gone to over the year. I've been doing this for a long time. I keep playing that clip to show that Republicans are very disciplined in this in this sense, in that they play the long game for since 1980, they've known they don't. And and somebody even just said it the other day in in terms of and I wish I could remember who it was. It's it's old age brain fade coming on, um, but said, you know, the, the, the Democrats are willing to risk fraud to let everybody vote. But the Republicans, we'd rather not everybody not vote. So there will be no fraud. Well, it's a it's a flawed premise. Your secretary of state of Arizona, Katie Hobbs, have you seen any instances? How many instances of voter fraud have you found in your state since you've been in office? 
none. Um, I mean, I'm certain that there have been um, isolated incidents that have been reported to the attorney general's office. They're being investigated by the election integrity unit, but nothing at the level that would, um, you know, overturn uh, an election in our state. And I'm glad you brought up that quote because that was an Arizona legislator, John Kavanaugh. Right. And, you know, it is a false premise. We do not have to make the choice between election security and voter access, because what we saw in the 2020 election proved that we can have both. Um, And so, you know, this has been a favorite claim that they've made over the last many years as they've chipped away at at voter access. Um, And and we don't have to make that choice. We have both. Exactly. And that's why it's so imperative. I mean, the Congress now barely in in Democratic control is trying to get this this bill, HB1 and SB1 passed, um, unfortunately, with the filibuster in place where they they make it so you need 60 votes to open or close debate on any bill to go to an actual vote, that's going to be impossible. And one of one of the um, barriers to filibuster reform is Kirsten Cinema. Now, I remember Kirsten Cinema when she was a state senator because she used to go on Keith Olbermann's countdown on MSNBC all the time. So that's where I first learned of her. And I thought, oh, she's this young, progressive go-getter. And it seems like the 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 better job she got, the more uh, anti-democratic she became. I'm not going to ask you to criticize her. I'll do that for us. Um, she's just horrible. She might be. And for years, I I called out Joe Manchin as being the worst Democrat in the Senate. These days, I, Kirsten Sinema might get that prize from me. How do you deal with a, a senator like that who's, who seems to be going against the best interests of the people? Well, look, you brought up a, a few minutes ago playing the long game. And I, and what I do know about Senator Sinema is that she does that. Um, she is doing the job that she was elected to do. I think the, the way that she sees fit to do that. Um, and I'm not going to I'm not going to comment on how she's doing her job. I think that she has reasons for what she's doing. And certainly constituents can contact her with concerns mm. Um they, and and she has a great constituent office um, to to talk to those folks. Um, I I do think she has reasons for what she's doing. I'm not defending her. I don't know what those reasons are, but um, but we are both elected to serve Arizona, and I'm doing that the best I can. And I I, I have to say that I think she is too. Okay, I I hear you, and I don't want to put you in a bad situation in a bad position to to criticize her. That's why I said I'll do it, and I do it all the time. So it's not just because you're here. So that's me. Um, while I've got you here, again, we're speaking with Katie Hobbs. She's the Secretary of State of Arizona. How are things going there with COVID? How is your vaccine rollout going? Again, this is another thing because uh, the way it was set up, it's left to the individual states to figure out how to distribute the vaccines, who's going to get them, when they're going to get them. It's been a mess here in Florida. How are things going in Arizona? Well, they seem to be smoothing out, and there seems to be hope that very soon everybody who wants a vaccine will be able to get one um that being said i i have been a little bit frustrated we had a year we knew a year ago that how we were gonna part of how we were gonna get out of this was making sure that 
People had access to vaccines. We didn't know when those vaccines were coming. We sure had a year to build a plan of how people would get those vaccines. Mm -hmm. And the plan here keeps changing. So we had different categories of access based on um, different criteria. If you were a frontline worker, if you had certain disabilities, and they've thrown all of that out the window. So like my brother-in-law, who is late 40s, um, should have been in 1C, which was like a certain category of health condition. And then he kept getting bumped because they just threw away all those categories and just went to straight age-based. Huh. Well, now today, um, and as a mother of two young adults, um, they announced that um, up, uh, uh, 16 and up would be able to start signing up on Wednesday. So really? I'm very excited about that. But um, but I'm also skeptical because the sign-up platform is kind of very difficult to navigate. Now I have a lot more confidence in my 19 and 22 year old to be able to navigate that than I did my 81 year old and 74 year old mom. Um, so, you know, hopefully, I mean, there, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I I'm glad the vaccines are here because it does seem that, um, without the vaccine, our governor had kind of washed his hands of everything and wasn't going to take any more steps to help mitigate. So, and what's he doing now? Is he, what's the attitude that Doug Ducey is taking? I mean, um, again, in, in 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 Georgia, the two Republican secretary of state and governor, you know, did the right thing around the election and counting the votes. But then they both said, well, we're Trump supporters, we're, you know, and and they're backing this backward thinking, uh, all these bills that are being introduced to, to suppress the vote. Uh, how's Ducey doing? Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what the governor's going to do on these bills. Should they make it to his desk? Um, it, it, he's not necessarily forthcoming on his positions. I will say that, um, he did the right thing, um, in the election. He did what he was required to do by law and certified the results. Um, and in terms of access to funding, his office was a good partner with our office. Our legislature actually blocked the federal CARES Act dollars from getting to our office for election administration. Um, and he came forward. Um, so, you know, we've been able to work with him on some issues. Um, I, you know, we have been over and over and over again defending the integrity of Arizona's vote by mail system, which that would have the most devastating impact if yeah. some, some of these bills passed. He has also publicly defended it um, with the president, the former president in the room. And I just hope he continues to do the right thing. And we'll we'll see what happens when when he gets these bills. I hope so, too. Katie Hobbs, it's been such a pleasure to speak with you. I, I really appreciate your time. Um, in the last moment or so, do you have any thoughts on how Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are doing in their first 60 days? Well, I, you know, I, I certainly didn't think there would be magic wands and that everything would be better, but I do feel hopeful that we have a grown up in charge um, of the of the pandemic response of I mean, I think that some states flailed because of lack of federal response and and, and that federal response is incredibly important. Um, we are getting vaccines where they need to be, um, which there was no plan to do that before. So certainly um, we are seeing progress there. And there is, I think people are more optimistic than we've been in a long time, that there's a light at the end of the tunnel with the with the pandemic. Um, but we, we also have a lot of other issues um, that we need to deal with economic recovery from mm-hmm. the pandemic. This American Rescue Plan is the most progressive legislation we've seen in 
decades um, in terms of that. And so um, I'm, I'm very hopeful. Great. I, I am, too. So <laughs> we're on the same page there. Katie Hobbs, Secretary of State of Arizona, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and for the job you're doing there. It's encouraging to see Arizona trending blue. Thank you so much. It was great, great to meet you. Thanks, Nicole Sandler, for that interview with Secretary Hobbs of Arizona. Coming up next on the broadcast, Brad's recent interview with the legendary Florida election official Ion Sancho, focusing on the new push by Republican lawmakers to undermine election integrity and voting rights in Florida. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Our nightmare election may be over, but new ones are on the way. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to do it. Please stop by bradblog.com donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like or even just a one-time-only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. The fight for voting rights, civil rights, and to save our planet continues. Please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com donate right now. Go ahead, do it right now. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. You're listening to Bradcast Recounted. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Well, with GOP officials now in more than 40 states attempting to move forward, more than 200 new restrictions on voting, particularly aimed at suppressing vote by mail. After Donald Trump's loss in 2020, election experts have decried what they see as the greatest effort to suppress the vote since the Jim Crow era. And this is all ongoing right now. I know it's lovely to uh, relax a little bit. Donald Trump is out of office. COVID rates are coming down a little bit. But this is all going on right now in states that Trump lost and in states that Trump won, even in states where he increased his winning margin from 2016 to 2020, like the great state of Florida, where Republican lawmakers there are pushing a bill forward that, among other things, would end the use of absentee ballot drop boxes in the state for reasons that remain unclear to me, other than as a means to try and make it harder to vote for Democrats who used absentee voting in much larger numbers than Republicans last year amid the coronavirus pandemic. This uh, new bill being pushed through the uh, General Assembly down in, uh, in Florida is opposed by election officials of both parties, both Democratic and Republican, And yet Republicans don't give a damn. They're pushing it through anyway. Joining us now is our friend, the great Ion Sancho, former Leon County, Florida supervisor of elections. That is Tallahassee, the state's capital. He served in that election uh, in that elected position there for almost 30 years before retiring in 2016. Boy, did he get out in time. Uh, And uh, as I note, whenever he joins us, Sancho uh, was so well respected by his fellow election officials in the state on both the right and the left, that he was tapped to oversee the legendarily contentious 2000 presidential election recount in the state between Al Gore 
and George W. Bush. ION has also been a great longtime champion of election integrity and even a foe of many a voting machine company over the years, standing up to them and to Florida state officials when obstacles were put in the way of both voters and their ability to oversee the result. Oh, Mr. Sancho, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Thank you for allowing me to pull you away from your fishing in retirement <laughs> to help us understand what the hell is now going on in your great state, not to mention in about 40 others around the country. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, sir. I'm doing fine. Thank you for that kind introduction. Uh, well, you deserve it, sir. Uh, listen, I, I want to get to this uh, Dropbox, Dropbox issue and, and other related matters in a moment, but I know there is, there's more that the GOP lawmakers are attempting to do to pare back options uh, for voters in Florida. TPM reports that local election officials are anxious about how this bill would drastically scale back the option Florida voters now have to sign up to automatically receive mail ballots for multiple elections in a row, currently voters can opt in to receive mail ballots for every election in a four-year period uh, before having to renew that uh, request to get on the mail ballot list again. But SB 90, as this bill is called, uh, will require them to re-up their applications every other year. Why are they arguing that that is necessary and why should it be a, a concern? Well, I will tell you, uh, the great Tip O'Neill once said, all politics is local. And what's being overlooked by the national press is that this issue, while framed nationally by the disgraced ex-president, um, is really being pushed by Governor Ron DeSantis, who in 2018 mm -hmm. won by a scant 30,000 votes out of 8 million cast, yep. and he's scared to death because the Democrats right now have over a half a million uh, vote margin for individuals signed up to get that vote-by-mail ballot. And of the uh, millions of Democratic voters that voted by mail, 1.5 million of them dropped them off in those vote-by-mail drop boxes that in January of 2020, before Trump had laid out his uh, plot to try to steal the elections by damning vote-by-mail ballots, the Republican legislature, whose Republican base had always outvoted the Democrats uh, from tw 2000 to uh, tw uh, 2020, mm -hmm. they required by law that each vote-by-mail establishment have a drop box. And then <laughs> the bottom dropped out, COVID hit, and the Democratic Party in the state of Florida said, we don't want to subject any of our workers to go door to door in the state of Florida. So they embarked on a, a, vote, a phone program to enroll people in vote by mail. And that was overwhelmingly successful. And vote by mail dramatically uh, increased on in the Democratic Party side to the point now today, if Governor DeSantis does not get rid of that list, he's facing a half a million vote margin to begin with. And that's what's driving this particular bill this year, because you are correct, Florida's elections uh, was praised by elections uh, experts all over the country. And I will tell you, as someone who's been closely following elections uh, since the beginning of last year, um, this was the best large election in the history of the United States, in my opinion. Mm. Um, Director Krebs stated that on a cybersecurity level. 
My belief is that's true. Not saying there weren't problems. I'd like to look at those ESNS machines mm-hmm. in uh, down in the in the valley in Texas mm-hmm. and in South Florida. Yep. But you know, I can't do anything about that. Our laws do not prevent citizens from ascertaining the validity of the voting equipment in America. You mean they That's do not? They, you mean they do pre, uh, prevent? They don't allow the uh, citizens right. from overseeing the the veracity of those results. Yeah, and we're right. going to be talking. They, they don't. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about that. I hope a little bit uh, more later this week because there is a very disturbing story out of Texas regarding those ESNS voting machines. Uh, but uh, Ion, uh, I, I think you sort of hit the nail on the head when you when you draw a bead here on DeSantis. And he also was uh, praising Florida elections. But now that he's looking forward to his own election two years from now, it needs to be noted what they are talking about doing. If I understand this correctly, uh, not only are they going to make uh, folks sign up, you know, every two years for uh, for absentee ballots if this goes through, but they're going to wipe out everyone who is currently signed up for absentee ballots. So if, you know, if you signed up a month ago and you asked for absentee ballots for the next four years, as I understand it, you're going to be wiped out. They're going to wipe out the entire list and have to rebuild it again. Is that your understanding of this? Yes, yes. You would have to register to vote uh, vote by mail before every general election because they're every two years and it would only be good for one year. So you would have to up yourself on the list every state election in order to keep getting your vote-by-mail ballots. And, and, and actually, I have to tell you, this is, this is deja vu all over again. This is not the first drive-through, uh, drive-by shooting by Senator Baxley on carrying the Republican voter suppression. In 2010, he was the author of House Bill 1355, with dramatically curtailed early voting, because the, Obama was carried early voting here in the state of Florida by such a large margin that an actual majority of all African-Americans in this state voted at an early voting location. So the very next year, Baxley uh, was given the task uh, to carry the voter suppression bill to curtail that. Uh, so this, this, is, this is a tried and true playbook with the same characters involved. Um, And, uh, you know, I've been witnessing voter suppression in the state of Florida since 2000. Uh, And it's it's finally hit a national level where there are over 43 states with over 250 bills doing this. And in an election in which, quite frankly, was the best large election in our nation's history. Um, But this was and and so, you know, I'm I'm very angry. Uh, I can only tell you I'm very angry that this slander has caused uh, people to doubt the veracity of elections. One should always question authority. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm someone who grew up in the 60s. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Uh, lying in the face of evidence, and in Georgia, uh, the state not more than 12 miles north of my home, uh, I, I witnessed uh, those uh, uh, recounts mm-hmm. and audits, and they were accurate they were incredibly accurate. They were over 99% accurate. And that's, that's, that's telling. And yet the people in Georgia, they don't, they don't give a damn for the truth. 
it, they're just going to believe the big lie. It you know it it is maddening because Ion, uh, you and I both have, have spent now several decades, uh, you know, fighting for voting rights, fighting for election rights, fighting to clean up disastrous elections. Now, uh, you know, in some places they begin to get cleaned up. And of course, they're trying to roll them back. Did you? But did you use uh, drop boxes in Leon County during your uh, decades as the uh, supervisor of elections there? And and if so, did you ever have any problems with their use? No, but uh, we we didn't. But actually, every early voting site was a drop box location. It was a place that citizens could just walk up and leave uh, the ballot at the entrance. We had an individual actually greet them, take the ballot make sure it was signed properly, and then walk it into the office, clock it in and drop it in. That's what we did prior to drop boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the drop boxes are just as convenient. And the law that was passed um, that the Republicans put into place, and I have to say Republicans, because there's almost a supermajority mm-hmm. of Republican control in the Florida legislature mm-hmm. and has been since 1998. Mm. So we're talking about solid authoritarian Republican control where the people that you mentioned who criticized the bill, Senate Bill 90, uh, Alan Hayes mm-hmm. and Mark Early, they were threatened by Senator Baxley, who told them in a none too veiled threat that they don't like being talked to. Like yeah, that. I was going to ask about that. So this is Senator Dennis Baxley. He's a, Baxley, he's a Republican. And yeah, those, those two names you just mentioned, uh, those are both Republican election officials themselves. Now, in Florida... The uh, supervisors of elections in each county are elected by the people, by and large. Um, And uh, in an interview, uh, Baxley said that the uh, changes, they're they're still being considered. But he said he was surprised by the backlash from the local election officials. He told TPM, quote, I've always tried to be very responsive to the supervisors because they do a great job and they are usually a little more careful about how they interact. More careful about how they interact? He said a couple of them have been pretty brutal on me, and I'm not sure that you've accomplished a lot by doing that with policymakers. Well, that does sort of sound like a threat to me, Ion. Oh, it was clearly a threat. Uh, As someone who observed the legislative process and lobbied as well for most of my career here in Tallahassee, the process has become so uh, disrespectful of civil um, civility Mm -hmm. Um, in, in so much as if you are a member of the Democratic House or Senate and you engage in an argument, you are shut down immediately. And the chairman and the committees have that authority. They cut off debate. They won't allow questioning. It's, it's, uh, it's mind-boggling to see how the democratic process is supposedly coming from a clearly authoritarian and dictatorial process. You know, know, there's there's a lot of uh, of complaints we've heard from Republicans over the years about, uh, you know, voting, mail in voting, although they used to Republicans used to love mail in voting. Um, But various complaints. This one concerning the drop boxes, frankly, kind of caught me off guard, I have to say. in, in Florida, some 1.5 million voters used drop boxes apparently last November. Um, yes. And so maybe you can straighten me out here. 
I've actually, you know, I'd, I'd have more confidence dropping my ballot into a drop box that I know is going straight to election officials rather than dropping it into the mail system where any number of things can happen to it before it actually arrives, if it arrives at all. Can you explain well, well, to me what GOP lawmakers are actually concerned about when it comes to drop boxes? And isn't, aren't they even more secure than mailboxes? Yes. The law that passed in 2020 required that they be staffed and monitored. When I and I have, unfortunately, I came up with a with a, an illness last last June that compromised my immune system, and I really could not vote in person anymore. And I simply received my vote by mail ballot mm-hmm. and took it to the early voting center, where I knew that there was going to be a drop box, and an individual greeted me asked me if the thing had been signed, because that's the critical uh, reason why ballots are rejected in Florida. It was. And so I opened my door and dropped it in the Dropbox and drove off and not having to interact with anyone except one individual who monitored the process and just checked to make sure uh, by verbally asking me had I signed it. And so every Dropbox location in the entire state of Florida was monitored. Every (laughs) one. And in fact, that just made it too accessible and simple for voters to vote. That's the problem. They don't want voters to be able to vote easily or accessibly because they feel they lose when that happens in Florida, which really reflects on the paucity of their policies, mm. uh, if that's what they mm-hmm. believe. And uh, yeah, Baxley, uh, Senator Baxley, Florida Senator Baxley was saying that uh, he was describing uh, mailboxes, U.S. Postal Service mailboxes, as far more secure than drop boxes. There's also a, yeah, I, I know. And I, and I can tell you in Florida, with, yeah. with the big push that the Democratic Party did on vote by mail, the topic of the, of, of the, of mail uh, being secure and being manipulated by the the, uh, the head of the postal departments um, was a major fear. And so people did not want to drop them off mm-hmm. in, in mailboxes yep. uh, because some of those mailboxes went to warehouses and they were never brought into the to be counted. So that's what drove one point five million Democrats mm-hmm. to drop those things off at a monitored box. And you know what? The Republicans have. Uh, I'm sorry. They just want to get rid of that kind of of easy way for citizens to vote securely. Uh, it doesn't serve their political interests, Brad. Yep. That's all it is. Yeah, I know. And it, and this was after they won the state. Donald Trump actually it, one of the few states where Donald Trump uh, reportedly increased his margin over 2016. Uh, Ian, there's also uh, very quickly uh, the the bill, as I understand it, down in Florida would require voters to submit much more detailed personal information, including driver's license ID or the last four digits of their Social Security number uh, when they apply for a mail ballot. What what problems do you foresee there? Well, it's just going to uh, some 10 percent of the citizens, for example, the very poor in the state of Florida and 10 percent of them means there's there's a few hundred thousand of them. They don't have driver's licenses because they don't drive. They're too poor to drive. They can't afford insurance and they can't afford uh, gas, so they depend upon public transportation. So right off the bat, this is going to be problematic to those individuals. Again, 
it's the poor, so I don't think the Republicans are too concerned. For yeah, no uh, worries, no worries. Uh, but people don't realize that 10% of the population does not possess that kind of information because it has no value to them since they don't have a car and will never be able to get one because they're too poor. And and also this personal information that would be included means apparently that they can no longer uh, do it with a postcard that it will actually because it's private information. So they'll actually have to have a uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a piece of paper and an envelope, which is uh, thought to believe uh, will cost election officials anywhere from 14 to 16 million dollars as an unfunded mandate, because as of now, I guess the uh, state legislature is not paying for that oh. additional cost. That's correct. In Florida, while it does have a constitutional amendment banning uh, unfunded mandates, there is a specific exemption that the state put in that language to accept elections. So they can pass on any cost they want to to the county elections offices and the county taxpayers have to pay for it oh. out of their property taxes. Oh, my God. I did not know about that exception. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. yes. This is a, this, it's been rigged here. It's been going. This is, again, I've been watching these kinds of how can we curtail this? How yep. can we do that? It's been going on since 2000. Yep. Uh, for example, one year I produced uh, Braille sample ballots and Braille ballots mm-hmm. for the individuals. There were not a lot probably 40, mm-hmm. who were old enough that they were trained to read Braille. Mm-hmm. So we had that done for those citizens. The next year, the Florida legislature came in and banned Braille ballot, period. Oh, End of story. Wow. Listen, uh, I've got just a minute here, Ion. You know, after after you have spent so many years <clears throat> going uh, toe-to-toe, uh, with voting machine companies in the state of Florida, uh, listeners may uh, r- remember if they saw HBO's landmark Emmy-nominated hacking democracy documentary, uh, you were uh, you're seen overseeing this breathtaking, the first known hack of a Diebold optical scan tabulator uh, in the film's climactic scene. Um, you know, as someone like that, uh, a, a champion of transparency, fighting against these electronic voting and tabulation systems, what do you make of the attack on the Dominion Voting Systems Company by Republicans, which has uh, earned them, by the way, several uh, huge defamation lawsuits? So don't get me in any trouble, Ion. But despite- oh, no, I'm not going to get you <laughs> in any trouble because, because yeah. actually I think the Dominion, some of their products are the best products on the market. I first became aware of that Canadian company when they came to to mm-hmm. visit my tech department in 2006 because our reputation was that we, we were interested in advanced technology and looking for new new technology for for, for the process and and um, I I know the uh, they know the CEO I, I know many of the technicians and um, I I will. Even though I don't like ballot marking devices, I think the accuracy of the ballot marking device in Georgia was demonstrated so clearly as to just end any debate on that accuracy. And I would hope that the Dominion company is successful in suing the liars who spewed maliciously known lies to try to gain a partisan advantage. Uh, Unfortunately, we have a robust First Amendment and you can't sue politicians for deliberately lying. Um, but I think this voting machine company has some very strong grounds, particularly because Stark County in Ohio overruled the commissioners, overruled their election board and denied them the purchase of Dominion voting machines last week, 
which the elections board mm-hmm. had said were the best for their citizens, but the Republicans on the county commission reversed the vote. And so you know what? Yeah. There has been a, a clear injury to that corporation and more power to them collecting against these liars. Yeah, uh, they're able to clearly show damages. I know it's very strange. I, too, find myself uh, on the side of the voting machine companies in this case, which is a an uncomfortable place to be. But, uh, you know, a lie is a lie, and you got to call them out uh, as you see them. Ion Sancho, the former Leon County, Florida supervisor of elections, uh, a great longtime election integrity champion, and even in retirement, he continues that good fight. Uh, great speaking with you, Ion. Folks can follow your work, and they should, on the Twitters at Ion Sancho one that's the number one ion sancho one ion it's great speaking with you my friend and i hope you don't mind if we pull you away from uh, the fishing again in the near future to join us not a problem sir thank you thanks man and that's all for today's edition of the broadcast thanks to our guests arizona democratic secretary of state katie hobbs and nicole sandler of the nicole sandler show for sharing that interview with us and to former leon county florida election supervisor ion sancho and of course to you for spending part of your day or night with us if you missed any portion of today's broadcast or any other you can download any broadcast anytime for free at bradblog And that service is made possible by those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to stay completely independent on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. Follow and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at The Brad Blog. Drop us an email and tell us what you think at bradcast at bradblog.com. We'll be back soon. Until we meet again, I'm Bradcast producer Desi Doyen. And as Brad likes to say, good luck, world. (laughs) 